of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. And we are live 2100 Eastern Time. It is the Sons of Liberty live show. Radio Contra is back on the air after a bit of a hiatus. I was out in Wyoming, and we're going to be talking about some of the really awesome things that we were doing out there in this episode tonight. Uh, but we've got a lot of other things to talk about as well. Of course, a lot of ground has been covered since the last time my voice and your ears were together on the air. And, uh, we've got a lot, we've got a lot to get caught up on. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, it is very good to be with all of you in here and uh as i am waiting on my esteemed co-hosts to come in of course we've got the bar room filling up as we speak i am seeing a whole lot of people coming in here into the live show room and uh i want to say this I, I before we get into any uh other things any other topics that this podcast this podcast can go literally a week and a half without having any new episodes and remain in the top 10, in the top five of the rankings. And uh, man, I'm going to tell you, you know, those of you out there that have trained with me know that um I take that obviously very, very seriously. That is the first foremost thing uh, that is going on when, when we, uh, when we link up for training and everything else is kind of secondary. And so a lot of the, um, a lot of the following of a lot of these things is kind of in the, you know, it takes a back seat. but I checked in one time, I checked in one time on the podcast just to see what it was doing and, and really expecting to fall substantially. And, uh, man, that last episode with EM Burlingame, and I was just talking to him a little bit ago, by the way, I was talking to him a little bit ago and, uh, he reached out. He's like, Hey man, you know, when are we doing this second episode? Cause I'm chopping at the bit to get on. And, uh, you know, we kind of went down this very interesting rabbit hole, of what we're going to be talking about in our next episode. And uh, I don't, I don't want to give any of that away, but um, it's going to be really, really something special. If you thought that the last episode was incredible, uh, this next discourse that we're going to have is, is really something to get excited about. Uh, but 
you know, we didn't really fall off the mark very far. Uh, not like I expected it to. And, um, that was, that was really something, uh, incredible to see. And it's because of this audience. It's because of this very special audience. Now, um, out in Wyoming, when I was out there, it was a very wet course as, uh, you know, two full classes while I was out there. And, uh, I think I had 24 in one and 23 in the other in the RTO courses. So it was a uh, scout course followed by the RTO courses and uh, very, very wet, very, very wet and cold. Uh, it was cold, but we had something like three inches of rain one of the nights. And uh, it's always frustrating because the rain and the, the weather is one variable that you cannot account for when you are planning training. It's something you can't do really anything about there's all these other factors that we can control and, you know, it's, it's stuff falls on, in, you know, on the hands of the instructor or the site host or, you know, the students themselves or whatever. Right. But weather is one of those things that you just can't, you can't do anything about. And, uh, man, some really weird weather this time of the year, even weird, you know, when I came back here to North Carolina, it's, it's weird here, but, um, out in Wyoming, Normally, normally this time of the year, it's pretty arid. Um, you know, it's kind of a high desert anyway, so it's it's an arid climate. Um, you don't really have to worry about a whole lot. It does get cold at night, but, you know, during the day, it's certainly very comfortable and nice. And, you know, weather is just kind of one of those things that, you know, I, it's, it's in the back of everybody's mind. Bring a jacket, whatever you be. Well, not this time. Not this time. One of the nights we had three inches of rain and it flooded. And it that was rough. That was rough. Um, even by my own standards, uh, that was pretty rough. And I'm going to tell you, um, you know, we we've. We've endured a lot of a lot of bad weather, a lot of strange weather in, in training and, and kind of, you know, grin and bear it. But uh, that was that was one of the more frustrating moments I've had because nighttime events of the scout course where the ambush lanes really shine. Right. Where, uh, you know, the way that I run it out there is a little bit different than how we do it here in North Carolina. But, you know, split the, the class in half and. Um, their ambush lanes at night out there, uh, they conduct a V ambush as well as a linear or L shape. It's, it's really kind of dealer's choice what the students want to do, what they uh, feel comfortable doing. And you add a little bit of um, decision-making skill in there as well. And, and there's a lot of training value with that uh, from the instructor's side because you get um, – you get the students really thinking in that uh, non-autocratic, non-linear sense where they're actually having to come together and make a decision as a group. And that's something that I always point out to them on day three that, you know, when, when you're in a gorilla band, right, when you're in a, a um, you know, an LGOP, a little group of preppers, so to speak, a little group of patriots, whatever you want to call it, you know, we used to call it a little group of paratroopers, right? When, when you, when you have that little, little team and authority is not a rigid thing, 
You know, it, it's it's not a, hey, this is my rank that was bestowed upon me for, you know, whatever. No, it, it doesn't really work that way. Um, your your trust in your men, and really in the military, it was like that too, in, in the small unit aspect, you, you develop trust in your leader. You know, you respect the man, not the rank. You respect the rank on his chest because of the man who embodies it, right? And, and so... It's a leadership lesson that's that's brought in there. And, and I really, really enjoy um, doing that and incorporating that element into the nighttime aspects because everything's different at night. Everything. Everything is completely different at night. Whether you got nods, you don't got nods, whatever. It, that, that part really, it matters. Don't get me wrong. Um, and, and there may be a rant about that here in a bit. But um, everything is so much different at night. And we don't get very many training opportunities to really work at night in the patrolling sense, right? I mean, I know there's there's classes out there where they have night shoots and you know all that stuff, and that's a lot of fun. You know, that's a lot of fun. It's really important, but you don't really get too many opportunities on the civilian side to actually patrol at night. And um, that's a very important, what I feel is one of the critical training tasks, right? It's one of my critical uh, uh, goals as an instructor in, in the scout course. And of course, in the, the follow on recce course as well, you do a lot of patrolling. Uh, every night in the course, you, you're uh, doing patrols. But um, we didn't get to do that because of the rain. And it, you know, I know that, that some people out there are going to be like, oh man, you know, like, what are you talking about? A little bit of rain. This wasn't a little bit of rain. This was three inches that was dumping. And if you haven't seen three inches of rain dumping in a short amount of time in the desert, it's it's a whole other animal. Um, I, I'm going to tell you, and and we didn't know. The thing was is that we didn't know the, the road going into the range. We didn't know that it had completely flooded and it was underwater. I had no idea. And, um, you know, I, I'm kind of sitting in the truck like we were looking at the radar. So it, it looked like the rain band was moving out, you know, and it wasn't going anywhere. And it, like we just kept getting hit with more stuff. We're like, holy crap, you know, and um, ended up that, that you know, it, it was a safety hazard for everybody. And I said, you know, hey, get to somewhere where it's dry, get to somewhere where, you know, you can you're, you're going to be safe. And um, it was it was rough. And that was extremely frustrating for me uh, as as an instructor. That was one of my more frustrating moments. Overall, an incredible class, incredible group of people. As always, the, the bar is very, very high when, you know, the, the caliber of people that you have that are very serious about what they're doing will come out. And, uh, you know, day one range day. Incredible. Couldn't have asked for better. It, it was it was really really something special, um, and, and seeing people from you know ranging from 13 years old to um, you know in, in in their early 50s, all getting together and and developing those firearm skills and and I'm I'm talking about 450 meter uh, shots, body shots. 370 meters on a, a, a head-sized piece of steel hitting it consistently. You can't ask for any better than that. You really can't. And so um, really, really awesome. Awesome times. 
you know, other than that, having to deal with the rain out there, having to deal with, with that, rolled into the RTO course and learned that the Baofeng AR-152 can get dumped on. Uh, a couple more inches of rain fell and it can get dumped on. And that one did get dumped on. I took some pictures of it, put it up on Twitter. It had sat out all night, uh, got dumped on with a whole bunch of rain, switched it on, worked fine. Uh, worked absolutely fine. And uh, that that radio had absolutely zero issues. So, you know, for all those those uh, people out there that, uh, you know, are quick to, to poo-poo, Bow things. Oh, baffing this, baffing right. Yeah, uh, most of them are. Are I'm coming to realize that 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 there's a small segment of people that are doing that. Some of them are fud hams, and you know, hey, we'll we'll talk about them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we just point and laugh at them. They're overdue for their uh, their their diabetes uh, amputations, but. The other segment of this crowd is airsofters. And and this, this is, well, I'm going to hold my fire on that one. That might be something we talk about here in just a little bit uh, later on into this episode. But anyhow, for everybody else out there who lives in the real world, we're not pretending, right? Things, th- there's there's a heck of a lot that can be done. There's a heck of a lot that you can do with your equipment of course i do happen to know a guy that wrote a really awesome book about that and of course those aren't my words that's everybody else's i think we're up to 480 some odd reviews on amazon for a total of 4.7 stars still hovering right around in that top thousand of amazon books and a number one bestseller despite all of the ripoff products that are out there some of which have disappeared If you hadn't noticed, which you probably didn't because you didn't buy that crap, you didn't fall for the trick, right? You didn't fall for it, although a few people did, a few people did, but that's okay, right? That's okay. It happens. So it's all right. I've been suckered too from time to time. It's okay. But you, you fixed that. For those of you that did, you fixed that. You went and you got the genuine product, that which endures, which we shall endure and we shall continue to endure. We're doing some really awesome things. This group, and why I say we, because it's all of us. It's this community, all right? It is this community. It is what we are doing collectively together. And so with that said, I'm joined by a couple of my fellow patriots, people who I am uh, very, very proud to call close friends and companions in this strange journey in which we find ourselves. First on the list, Patriot Man. What's up, brother? Howdy, howdy, man. Looking forward to tonight and the topics that we have lined up. Uh, Hope the family and everyone is well where you're at. Uh, And I'm glad to see you made it back from Wyoming. You had some nice pictures from out there. Yeah. I mean, whenever the weather would break, we we were doing good, man. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm doing good, man. Um, Had a good gym workout tonight. Going back tomorrow morning. Really focusing on the cardio aspect because that's my weakest part, and that's one of the most important parts of everything that we do. Because you know you lift a lot, that's cool, but if you can't run with your gear and be able to have enough of a breath to take an accurate shot, that 370 sh- meter shot that you were talking about, um, kind of a moot point. So I was working on that a lot today, and uh, that's kind of my focus moving forward. 
cardio is the thing, man. Cardio is the thing. I think that that is uh, that's one of the big takeaways that people always have from the scout course is, you know, hey, maybe maybe I don't need to carry all this crap. You know, yeah. like maybe maybe all the stuff that I have on a chest rig that, you know, somebody from Instagram or YouTube or wherever told me I needed all this shit. Like maybe I don't need it all. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe I don't need 25 pounds of like I don't need snares and friggin' um, whatever other things that, that I've seen people bring in chess rigs like just bizarre stuff. yeah and, and it's funny when you watch the people bring <clears throat> the chess rigs as they have it and i just watch throughout the weekend as we're doing the training just shit just starts coming off like he's like i don't i don't need that nope i don't need that you know what maybe i don't have to carry eight mags i can just carry three and it's hilarious and at the end of it they're just like i have to rework my entire setup and i laugh because i did the same thing every iteration yeah. that that i'm helping out with the scout course on Something in my gear is changing because I'm like, you know what? Actually, let's try running this here. That's actually more comfortable when I'm prone. So I'm going to do it that way now. So it's all about gear testing whenever you go out to these classes. And, and the other thing, too, I tell a lot of people, this happened the last time I was down there. You know, if you don't know exactly what to buy, you know, you're going to learn a lot about the gear other people are running and go up and ask them why they run something a certain way and get their perspective on it. And then Taking all of that plus your experience in the course, you'll be able to figure out how you want to set up your initial kit and then test it and see if it works. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I saw I saw the comment, wait, snares? Yes, uh, somebody totally brought snares along with a, a – uh, ah, it's heater, heater, the commando saw. Yes, also had a commando saw. And also, also had a bagged water filtration kit where I was like, uh, why, why do you have all that on your chest? Like, I'm not saying that you, you may or may not need that stuff. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of leaning towards you don't need that, but you definitely don't need that on a chest rig. Like yeah. you, you do not need that in your fighting load. Okay. If, if, if things are so bad that I'm having to, Friggin, you know, it, it, wait a minute, hold on. I'm not even going to say that. All right. I'm not even going to say that there's, there's going to be some, some reality dosages handed out in, in this episode. I can feel it. Um, cause I've, I've got a, I've got a follow on from the last sons of Liberty, uh, that, that I think I need to, I need to air out, but, um, let's think about this. Like if, if I'm out haunting the woods, Right. To kind of uh, steal a page from uh, from my friend Clay Martin. Right. If I'm out haunting the forest, doing all that cool guy, Wendigo shit. Um, I don't have time to be snaring squirrels and shit like <laughs> I, I don't have time to do all that on top of. Every, like all the other things that I'm like, like, like in between your combo windows. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, you don't have time for all that. Okay. That's, that's not how things work. And we, we, we are never, I, I hate to throw a dose of cold water on some things, but we're never going to be in a society 
where all of a sudden every effing thing has went so far sideways that we now no longer have access to any sort of food but magically magically squirrels will still be plentiful and i can trap them and or rabbits i mean come on man this is not this is fantasy land shit okay let's let's i've done a survival school or two um and and i'm gonna tell you something like iraq afghanistan they still have access to food how do they do that because they live differently like iraq still had industries all right you're still gonna have people that have jobs all right you're still gonna have factories you're just not gonna it's gonna look a lot like you did in the early days of covid where you didn't have access to a lot of things and there, there's gonna be an adjustment period and sometimes you just end up going without right but there's never going to be this this system of of absolute cascading failures one right after another where you know society goes so far sideways that we're magically living in like some some caveman existence once more like that's no um that that's not going to occur uh it it, it no I, I i've lived in the third world i've operated in the third world I've been to Central Asia. I've been to the Middle East. I've been all over the Middle East. I've lived in austere environments and they don't live like that. Okay. They don't live like that. So that's some of the stupid shit. Like you, you don't need that. All right. A basic fighting loadout, right? You know, have, have your ammo. Obviously it's a fighting load. So you got to have something to fight with. So have some ammo, right? three or four mags that's that is light enough to where you keep mobility mobility is what's most important here okay not me being able to be a fucking door breacher in baghdad okay because i ain't doing that anymore all right is there a time and place for body armor sure sure not all the time though not all the time and if mobility is what i am looking for which should be what you're looking for as well that means that you need to go a little bit light. Does that mean you don't carry more ammo than that on you? No, it doesn't. It just means that, you know, hey, if I burn through, like how many how many rounds does my mags hold? Right, 30 a piece. Should be 30 a piece. So, like, let's think about this. So if I've got four mags on my chest and one in a gun, right, that means I've got uh, 150 rounds at my disposal if i can't take care of the job in 150 rounds whatever it is and i have to assume that i've got that many rounds coming back at me if not more right whatever it is if i'm having to shoot that much and my buddies also have a similar loadout and we haven't really taken care of the problem we're having a shitty day already like there's the chances the likelihood are very high that somebody's got ventilated and now you know we have we have a whole other set of, of concerns here but you, you carry more ammo in your pack, right? That, that's that's how that works. You know, you, you're not, we're not walking freaking, you know, oh, I'm carrying 15 mags on my chest like I'm, I'm the Paul Bremer detail in, in 04. That's not how this works, man. That's not how any of this stuff works. But hey, I mean, if you want to live that fantasy, you go right ahead. I mean, you, you're not, don't let me ruin it for you. But I'm just telling you, I've seen it. I've done it. I teach other people to do it. I'm just telling you this. This is the way this works out. Okay. Um, 
your fighting weapon, you need to keep that as light as possible too. We don't we don't need to be adding on twenty eight pounds of shit to a seven pound rifle. Like that's just you know enough optic to get the job done, right? Enough optic to get paid and enough optic to hit the target. Whatever it is, intermediate distance of of what your rifle does. We don't need to be putting you know twenty five power friggin' scopes on an AR fifteen. That's just you know. If if that's what you want to do, you go right ahead. But understand what the trade offs are. Yep. You know you 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 don't have a fighting rifle at that point. You have a precision fires weapon, at best, at best. And and for a lot of people out there, and I don't even want to get into an optics discussion, but you you may you you you're actually causing yourself quite a bit of detriment. Um, as somebody in the scout course learned, the higher in magnification you go the smaller your field of view goes. And I gave him that whole block of instruction. Well, he ended up losing his targets every time he fired. And that's, that's because his magnification was up way too high for what was necessary. And then he looks up at me and he goes, Hey, you had a good point. Like, yeah, you know, you're, you're not bench rest shooting when you're transitioning from target to target. That's the reason that we do that drill. You're really beginning to understand why field of view is critically important. And maybe getting up off the gun, getting up off the glass and saying like, okay, I'm going to eyeball where my next target is. You know, where, where do I detect that movement? Where do I detect those colors? Okay. There they are. All right. Now I'm back on target. I'm good to go. Right. This, these are all important concepts. So you don't need, you carry enough to get yourself to the fight, right? That that's your fighting load. You want to carry some extra things on your body. Hey, that's fine. That that's kind of experience based, you know, what 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 I think of as a survival load is really a space blanket, right? Um, you know, GI casualty blanket is is a big one because space blanket is a multi-purpose item. I can survive with that. That also provides me thermal uh, mitigation from uh, aerial threats. All right, in my working environment, protects me from flur, so on and so forth. Right, um, but you 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 know. That's that's pretty much it. Like this, this is what's going to keep me alive. Um, as far as food goes, you know, hey, I mean, granola bars exist for a reason, and the nickname hippies granolas, like that's kind of an old school nickname for hippies that, that would like hang out on the Appalachian Trail or uh, Pacific Coast Trail, like you know, on on the big hiking trails across the U.S. They they would call them granolas. They call them that for a reason because that's primarily what they were eating. Well, why were they eating that? Why do they still consume that? Because it gives you sugar, right? That, that kicks our glucose in. We have those raw oats, some raisins, like a little bit of dark chocolate or whatever. It gives us that little bit extra of what we need. I've survived on nothing but um, cliff bars before, you know, in, in a hindsight. Now, I, I will never do that again. And I don't eat cliff bars now because of that, because they're, they're disgusting, because they all taste exactly the same after a while. But you can do it, okay? You 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 can do that, and so you know, food is really just calories. You, you know, whatever, man. Um, just carry carry a little bit to the field, like it's sustaining you for that mission. Long term is is something different, right? You talking about long term survival, but all these people come up with these different fantasies, and they don't really realize that they're mutually exclusive. Like small unit patrolling is mutually exclusive from what you do in your survival retreat. Like they're, they're, they're two wholly different worlds, man. 
and it, it would kind of rounded things out, man. It, w- it would do a lot of people a whole hell of a lot of good if they kind of uh, took like the anthropological look at how primitive societies existed in various environments. Because it, if, you know, kind of recanting what I said earlier, if things were to go so sideways in the world that we're having to rely on snare traps just for subsistence. Yeah. Um, Dude, you're going to be living a lot like however the natives originally lived in your area. And if, you know, like on the East Coast, they had a lot of cultivation and agriculture. Um, You're going to be doing that. That's what you're going to be doing. If you're out West, it was a whole lot of nomadic, you know, following the buffalo. And it ain't a whole lot of buffalo left out there. So, yeah, good luck following that. Just saying, man, you know, it's, it's, but. I don't know. This is one of those. This is one of those things that reality does not mimic the the fantasy that a lot of people have when they get into this stuff. And then when they start really doing it, when they go to class, they're like, "Oh wait, reality is a little bit different than that shit I saw online." Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it is a little bit. I'll be the first to admit, you know, I like reading, you know, the books that are like that. You know, you know, I love my my. Even though sometimes they are so shittily written, prepper fiction books. I'll be the first one to uh, to admit some it. Some of them are really good, though. Some of them are fantastic. Some of them are like, I'm going to suspend belief for a lot of this and just go with the flow. And then there's somewhere I just can't finish the series because there's a whole chapter where two different people, their entire voices were switched in an entire chapter. So, you know, it's hit or miss with that. But I enjoy that too. But once you get out in the field and you start doing it, as you're saying, you're going to learn real quick what works and what doesn't and what's realistic. Yeah, I mean, you know, like Patriots, obviously Patriots is, is great. Yeah. Um, you know, the Going Home series obviously is great. I mean, those, those two, and, and uh, you know, being personal friends with uh, both of those authors, uh, James Wesley Rawls and uh, and Chris Weatherman. You know, I, I call both of them good friends of mine. You know, it, but I'm not friends with them because uh, I'm I'm not I don't like their books because they're my friends. I actually uh, met them because of their books. Yeah. So you know, it, it's just kind of strange how fate would have it. Um, you know, but but no, th- those are the marquees and and both of those books were written for a purpose too. I mean, it, you know, of, of getting people's minds in, in the right direction. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's funny you say that, but a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. The, the, the book you were talking about, I, I'm not going to say which one it was. Yeah. I, I know you I know which one it is. I couldn't finish it, man. I, I couldn't I, finish it after that chapter either. Uh, well, it's the prepper fiction genre is a lot like the military fiction genre or the spy fiction genre. It, it's the stories are very formulaic yep. and the, like, I don't know, man, I think it was, I think it was Andy McNabb's book. He, he, Andy McNabb started up the uh, yeah, SAS guy, probably two zero and all that. He, um he started a fiction series, probably, man, Damn, it was probably a decade and a half ago now. And uh, I tried to read one of them, and it was so bad. It's like, man, who, who, like yeah. this, 
this reads like like C spot run. Like it was it was that bad. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, they're they're all trying to be Dick Marcinko, man. They they're all trying to be, yeah. you know, Rogue Warrior, Dick Marcinko. Like every one of those books goes back to him. Like he he was the original of all that. And he laid down the groundwork, like for good or bad, man. There's there's a lot of people that that you know cursed the ground he walked on, and and then there was a lot of people that were like, oh, you know, he he's he was cool, and um, you know, it kind of really depended on apparently if you, you worked closely with, him or not. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it, but still, it, it's it's just like his books at a minimum though they were very entertaining. Like he, he wrote them, he, well, at least he wrote like the first couple. And then I think somebody else wrote them after that, but he dude had a way of telling stories, man. Like he, he could, he, he wrote his books the same way he probably talked where it was, it was like, you were just listening to a guy tell a story, man. And, and, and that was cool. Like you could tell this is yeah. this is an intelligent, articulated person. Yeah, I, I'll t- I'll take an unrealistic yeah. like I'll take a book that I, that I'm like, eh, you know that that's not really how it would go. If it's well written, at least when it's just like an obvious cash grab, that's when I'm just like, I can't I can't do it. Yeah. Like his books are 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 I, I enjoy them. They're entertaining. Other yeah. books that try to emulate that, not so much. And it's funny you bring up Rawls and Patriots because I don't know if anyone knows the actor Josh Jamal. He's been in Transformers. Been in a, um, he was in that show um, Las Vegas. He recently was in an article about how he's basically become a prepper, and he was talking about how now he's raising food and he's doing this and doing all that kind of stuff. And he specifically says the book that got me thinking was Patriots: A Novel of the Coming Collapse. So it's funny you bring up that book in particular because, you know, that's one of those books. I I give out books to a lot of people that I want to be able to, you know, have some kind of realistic idea of or at least get them thinking about what they would do in a situation. That's one of the ones that I often give out. And it's just funny that here you go. You have this Hollywood actor who was like, yeah, that's 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 the book I read. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and that. That's the thing about Patriots is it, it got so many people woke up. Like uh I remember passing that book around when I was in Iraq. And, you know, I mean, there's there's a few things in the book, like admittedly, there, there's there's some things in there that it's like, ah, you know, man, this is this is probably gonna get you killed, you know. But 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 with that said, it, you know that that's kind of like Rawls has talked about this several times. And, and, you know, we talked about it, I think in the first episode that I did with him where he's like, you know, that that's the best case scenario. Like everything in that book was best case scenario. And, um, you know, he, he wrote the subsequent books after that of like, now things aren't so rosy. Yeah. Like now everything doesn't go as well. And, and this is how it would turn out for other groups out there that aren't as well prepared and don't really have a strong foundation because, you know, it, it's, and, and I think that that's, you know, that, that's, that's a little more realistic for a lot of folks. I agree. Um, you know, cause, cause, and, and again, you know, I don't think I'm not one of these people that thinks that like there's going to magically be a vacuum of, of all the things one day, like that's, 
do I think that we're headed for some some severe social turbulence? One hundred percent, absolutely. Y'all, they ever, like longtime listeners, readers of mine know that you know I make no bones about that. Everybody knows that, but. I don't think that we're going to we're not going to head towards a time where there's just sweeping uh, vacuum of power where everybody just kind of is in this amorphous state where society is, is you know, has no no bounds whatsoever. That's not going to happen. Um, you know, we're if, if you look around, we're in that state right now. And that is something that a lot of people have a hard time accepting when you look at, um, you know, these street takeovers a lot of this bullshit that you're seeing coming out of different places, like we're, we're in that era now and we will come out of it. It's just that, you know, it hasn't hit. It may not have hit you yet individually, but it's becoming very real for a lot of people. I mean, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, like right before I stepped on the plane to go out to Wyoming, I'm driving to the airport. And I hear, you know, I'm listening to uh, one of the local uh, talk radio news stations that I've got playing in the truck. And they're talking about, you know, all oh, the citizens of Chapel Hill are up in arms because there was a this crazy street takeover in uh, Chapel Hill. Well, they've been doing this shit in Raleigh for, you know, months now. Hey, hell, they were doing it last summer. All of a sudden, and it, all of a sudden, the 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 good little liberals of Chapel Hill, oh you know, oh UNC, oh now we're upset because what are we gonna do? They're they're taking over our streets and they got their cars and their loud bikes and their flamethrowers and it's crazy. It's really dangerous. It's really dangerous out there now because because. You're proving Frank Rizzo right again. You know, all a Democrat is is somebody who hasn't been mugged yet. They come to your front steps. They come to your neighborhood and they spread their brand of anarchy on your doorstep. And all of a sudden you want law and order, right? It's perfectly fine when it's in somebody else's backyard. Oh, yeah. Oh, defund the police defund the police communism right we want communism we want a socialist america we want all these things but you better not touch our ivory tower oh you better not touch our ivory tower because if you do that if you touch our ivory tower if you dare threaten us oh you are gonna see it then right so i laughed to myself i, I cheerleaded that on hell yeah get out there take over their streets do it do it spread that little bit of anarchy out there watch you two get it give them a taste of what they want what they ask for give it to them let them see let them see it and don't shy away from it no no don't do that don't leave don't leave because you asked for this you wanted this right you should be thankful that they brought it to you and don't you dare use your white privilege to try and make it stop. No, don't do that. No, no, let's not do that. Speaking of, though, we could talk about that all night. We're 38, 38 minutes. I almost said 38 hours. 38 minutes into this episode, it feels like it's went by in a blink of an eye. I'm joined by my very good friend, Mr. Mech Medic. What's up, brother? Uh, not a whole lot. Just enjoying my... Uh 
second favorite red bush, some bushmills. Oh, a little bit of the bushmills. Oh yes. Oh yes. I've got a. I'm. I'm looking to my left in here, and I have some bushmills ten year single malt. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. That's Very I'd have to. Might have to slide that by. Absolutely. Might have to slide that by. Heard you were going to be in town this weekend. Uh, Might be. (laughs) (laughs) Nasty little rumor. (laughs) Gonna be gonna gonna have a little little medical class going on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Gorilla Clinic Foundations. Gorilla Clinic. The clinic. I'll come crawling in like Snuffleupagus. I'm sick, bird. I'm sick, bird. I need the clinic, bird. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, A little Dave Chappelle humor right there. (laughs) Sick, bird. (laughs) Snuffleupagus is clearly a heroin addict. I mean, clearly. Yes. You know, no ifs, ands, or buts, man. He He was totally a heroin addict. Oh, bird. I don't know if I'm going to make it today, bird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jones and bird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oscar the grouch. He's a tweaker. You know, living in a trash can. You don't know what the fuck's going on in there. Shit. <laughs> oh, it's good times, dude. It's good times. How you been? <sighs> Uh, I'm on this side of the grass, so count that as a win for now. It is a win. It is a win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. Moving down the list since we got to get these introductions out of the way. The man, the myth, the legend, the frequent co-host of the Privy Council and the Council on Future Conflict, the best-selling author and the future uh, emperor of the universe, so or so I've been told, Mr. Joe Dolio. Uh, actually, the title is the Marchese of the Great Lakes. <laughs> the so... Marchese of the Great Lakes. <laughs> we had to go with an Italian title. And, uh, oh. you know, make sure you talk with your hands when you do it, though. So, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A point with a pistol as I'm talking to people. Uh, I have it. I have I have it on good authority that James Gandolfini, when he was preparing for the role of Tony Soprano, actually shadowed you to figure out what all you do on a daily basis and your mannerisms to get that down pat. You and know, it wasn't was just him. Uh, Paul Sorvino did, too, prior to Goodfellas. He had to learn oh, how to cut that garlic oh, with a razor blade. So oh. <laughs> he, cut it, he cut it so thin. Paulie cut it so thin that it just yeah. melted into the sauce. No, I'm pretty sure Paul Sorvino is like an actual mobster, though. But, you know, what do I know? Dude, he – Paul Sorvino is probably the most legit dude in Hollywood. I'm dead serious when I say that. Like he, so Paul Savino, people don't know this. He is a reserve sheriff's deputy in Arizona. I forgot which county, but he, um, he left 
California, he left Hollywood. He went out to Arizona. He became a reserve sheriff's deputy. And somebody, there there was, um, I think it was Mira Servino's boyfriend, maybe. Because that's his daughter, right? Mira Servino. And the reason yeah. that she disappeared, like she was in The Replacement Killers with uh, Jet Li and uh, a couple other movies. And uh, she she had like a like a, a really good career, solid career ahead of her. And she disappeared and nobody really knew why uh, until all the Harvey Weinstein stuff came out. And then Paul Savino was like, yeah, and I would fucking kill that dude. You know, like he, he, he messed with my daughter and I threatened his life, you know? And I was like, damn, man, you don't want a big Polly coming after you, dude. You really don't. You nah, really but- don't. That's the last of you. Come over. You know who else is a reserve sheriff's deputy is uh, Shaq. He's a certified yes. fraud examiner like I am. Yep. And he, uh, he, he does fraud cases in Florida. Yeah. Yep. He does, man. He does. But now I was, was going to tell you about Paul Servino. He, so Mira Servino had, uh, it was, I think it was her ex-boyfriend maybe. Um, or, or it was a stalker. I, I don't remember, but I think the ex-boyfriend maybe was stalking her. Maybe that's what it was, but she, she took out a restraining order against the guy and like, you know, you just couldn't take no for an answer or whatever. Well, big Polly shows up. Like he, he showed up at the dude's apartment. And and things happened. It was like, oh man, you know. And and do you try to take out charges on him? And it's like, nah, it's all perfectly legal because he's a cop. It's like, oh, like, like I man. like I said, like I said, he probably Ooh. has a little, little connection action going on too. Uh, yeah. So somebody said Paul Savino's dead uh, in in the comments. Yeah, I think that happened like last year. I think he died. He he was an old man, I think, but I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, if he, I, I do know he's he's super old, but um, very conservative. You know, it's a tragedy that Paul Sorvino died, but we still have Steven Seagal thumping around out there making stupid movies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Oh, poor, poor Steven, man. Somebody, somebody needs to let Steven know. Like, stop. You know, when his first movie came out. Um, what was that one? Uh, Above the law. It was like, oh, yeah, that just, yeah. he's a complete badass. But then he ran in the movie and he ran like a girl. And like, sorry, bro, not going to work. <laughs> I mean, is he still married to Kelly LeBrock or they get a divorce? Know. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody, I, I know somebody's going to, you know, I know somebody's gonna look that up in the comments. And be like, yeah. So somebody just said, "Isn't wow. Joe the the stunt double for Seagal?" No, but I am his trainer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm his trainer, which explains his physique. And uh, <laughs> if you if you dye your mustache black, you could totally pull it off. You could be like you you could be you could be the stunt double for Vincent D'Onofrio. And Steven Seagal. So, like, Listen, they make I, I actually used to really like Vincent D'Onofrio. He was outstanding yeah. at, in that uh, in that uh, Law and Order spinoff, and he he was obviously fantastic in Full Metal Jacket. So, he plays a crazy man. Well, he does. He does. I, I like Vincent D'Onofrio. He he's um he's he's another one of those actors that like everybody knows him from something, but they don't really know him that well. But yeah. um, pretty, pretty fascinating, man. He's he seems like a real cool guy. Like just interviews I've seen with him seems like he's 
You know, it's funny is when you tell people that it was him in Full Metal Jacket, they're like, no way. Then they go back and watch it and like, holy yeah. crap, that was him. That was him. Yeah. That was him, man. Well, private pile. Private pile. Somebody, uh, thing on Twitter earlier today was like, you know, tweet out a picture of whoever you'd want having your back and in a like yeah. whatever fictional character you'd want having your back in a real fight. Of course, I tweeted out Mr. French. Right, Ray Winstone from The Departed is probably, and and I had a little back and forth because somebody put up a a reply to that with uh, Mike Armitrout from Better Call Saul and, of course, Breaking Bad as well. Um, uh, Jonathan Manks had a a much smaller role in in, uh, 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 Breaking Bad than he did in Better Call Saul. He was much more instrumental in that. And I would say that is a very close second. But, um, Man, Ray Winstone, in real life, that's not a dude you want to fuck with. He came up, Ray Winstone came up rough, man. Like, slums of London, that dude, he, 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 I think that there's, there's really only a handful of actors. um, And Jonathan Banks did too. I mean, he, he's the real deal. You kind of wonder like, how much is there acting that's happening here? And how much of this is just you being you? You know, and, and reading some lines and, and you being you. Because Jonathan Banks is pretty tough dude, too. You know, but Ray Winstone, that whole character, Mr. French, just like that's that's the one guy that you're like, this dude right here, he is he he is just he want you don't know if like he's so dead inside that he just don't feel anything anymore, or or he he was a psychopath already. Like you, you really don't know or some combination of, of all the above, but you're just like, fuck man. Nah, you, you don't want to mess with that dude. Like he doesn't need a gun. He don't need a knife. He he's going to get whatever is, is close by, but, but it's one of those guys that you naturally just don't screw with, you know? Right. Like, and right. I, the thing is, is that I knew those characters growing up. Like I worked with characters like that guys that you just like, you know, man, like, you you you're not the biggest guy in the room. You're not you know you, you don't look like the toughest dude in the room. But I ain't screwing with you, cause it's just like they, this ain't gonna go my way, man. You you know. <laughs> yeah, you, and, you have a different and, kind of affect, brother. <laughs> yeah, you know, like like Ray Winstone is is that guy. When when you see him, you're like that dude, man. If you tangle with that guy, like he's he's gonna be the guy to use your head like a bowling ball. Like he he's gonna stick his fingers in your eye sockets, man. Like you 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 like you you might beat his ass maybe, but you're coming away from that fight permanently maimed. Yeah, you know, like nah, I'm not I'm not messing with him. You know? Anyway, <laughs> speaking of not messing with people, so let's talk about a real life crime family. Let's talk about the Bidens. So apparently, and this is breaking news tonight. The articles of impeachment that were brought forth by Representative Lauren Boebert, the total smoke show from Colorado. Uh, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Total smoke show. Uh, But she has brought forth articles of impeachment against Biden, which um, are apparently being stalled by Speaker of the House, Mr. McCarthy. 
And uh, of course, McCarthy's rationale behind this is uh, still yet to be publicly determined. There is some rather interesting uh, takes behind the scenes of, of where they think this is going to go. Um, I think that this is really nothing more than political uh, gesturing. It is a uh, ploy to get those donations rolling in. Of course, we had eight years of this nonsense under Obama and nothing ever really gets done. The Republicans are really only interested in getting more money uh, for their campaign coffers, which is really, really where they make their money also. Uh, so it's business as usual in D.C. Nothing's going to get done. Meanwhile, you have uh, a huge litany of crimes that have occurred and have uh, the Biden fingerprints all over it, including uh, firearms felonies, which have been completely swept under the rug. And the Department of Justice is now saying that, you know, everything is settled. Everything is, is deemed as being okay now. And Hunter Biden is going to get a misdemeanor and he's going to walk free. Meanwhile, we have the looming Trump trial. Uh, the indictments have rolled in. They were uh, ongoing while I was out in Wyoming. So I didn't get a chance to follow those very closely. And of course, we are also going to be talking a little bit about this Great Falls Montana fiasco, which just continues to get more and more interesting. Uh, so with that said, guys, what are your thoughts on all this, your reactions, and um, where you see all of this going? I think that we all just learned that we don't have to pay our taxes anymore. Because failing to file a couple million of dollars worth of tax liability is a misdemeanor with no jail time. Sold. Uh, sign me up. Yep. And, you know, the other thing that just broke is, you know, all of this stuff comes out not only with the Hunter Biden scandal and the fact he's he's getting, you know, the white privilege of white privilege because he's the son of the president, which if we know that if that was Trump Jr., then forget it. He'd be going to jail for life and might even see, you know, the gallows. Right. And on top of that, you have all the other stuff going on. It was just reported by Wall Street Journal that the U.S. Navy had a good idea that on Sunday the. Um, Titanic, whatever the name of that submarine is, imploded because they had they heard it via audio um, uh, microphones under the water. Chose not to report until Thursday, which is conveniently after all of this news broke. So on top of the son getting the deal of a lifetime and the DOJ going against its own guidance, because the guidance specifically says you cannot get pretrial intervention if you have any kind of... Um, if, if any of the charges have to deal with a uh, deadly weapon or firearm, they specifically kept up false hope for the survival of the people in this submarine for how many days because they wanted to use it as a cover story. They knew all this stuff was coming out. So just absolutely despicable. None of us would have gotten it. And it just goes to show you that apparently it doesn't matter what you do. If you think we're still living with rule of law, you're out of your fucking mind. What about you, Mech? I uh, <laughs> it's it's nothing new at this point. Um, anybody that that expected actual like real justice to happen at this point in time um, has their head buried in the sand. Um, 
we, we've had a, a, a dual justice system for, for a very, very long time. Um, it's just now becoming evident to everybody else. Um, and they're, they're really being a lot more blatant about it. I'm uh, really not trying to hide it. So it, yeah, it, I'm not surprised at all. And if you are surprised, you're not paying attention. I'll, I'll be honest. It's an accelerationist thing, right? Everyone's going to see the miss there, the difference in treatment between the two cases, uh, which are somewhat on a similar level, right? President's son, president, whatever. They're going to see the vast difference and it's just going to accelerate things actually. Yeah, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it might almost be, and this is, you know, the, uh, the pessimist in me is that they're, they're doing this on purpose um, to, to see what people do to see if that kind of, cause they were hoping that people were going to get stirred up and do something stupid um, that they could red flag during uh, the arrest of Trump and nothing really happened because yep. we're not idiots. And uh, so now they're like, well, we, we just make it worse and we just make it worse and we just make it worse and we just make it worse. And, and eventually someone's going to get pissed off enough that they're going to do something they can use to, to crack down on, on the deplorables. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the FBI is going to figure out that one guy's finally at the breaking point and they're going to give him everything he needs and he's going to pop and then they're going to use that all the excuse they need. And that's going to be the headline they run with going into 2024. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I would say that the, the FBI is waiting to cultivate the right source. That's pumped full of uh, SSRIs and being coached along. Cause we have no doubt yes. now that that's absolutely happening. Like there is no doubt that this is happening. Uh, the FBI has been caught doing this. You know, we just uh, uh, two weeks ago, right before I went out to Wyoming, there was literally, literally a news story about an FBI agent getting caught doing this to a mentally unstable kid. Now, the reason that they talked about this, the reason that they talked about this story, and um, it, it was the night before I went out to Wyoming, and, and it was so profound that I started to kick out a podcast once I got out there, but I just didn't because I had a thousand other things I had to do. But they got caught doing this, and the whole reason that the media was talking about it was because it was a left-wing, the, the target was a left-wing organization. That's why they were talking about it. If it was a right-wing organization, that was getting targeted or was just outright framed up from the beginning. Like, I don't know, Patriot front, uh, some of these random Nazis that you see showing up on bridges, like the videos, uh, that, that were coming out of Florida where these Nazis with brand new flags, uh, that still have creases in them and they're going and standing out on bridges. Come on, come on. Like that's let's yeah, just like, stop. like the whole row of them that did the perfect Nazi salute <laughs> through the window at the drag queen yeah. story. I mean, come on, man. Come there aren't on. that many actual Nazis in the country. Nah. And um, I'll tell you what, if, if anyone doubts this, Google the strange tale of James Wesley Howell. He was arrested the same morning as the Pulse shooting, but he was arrested in San Francisco. And the police chief put out a series of tweets where she said, listen, this guy called 911 and said he wanted help. We sent some officers to talk to him. He said that uh, he was afraid that he was going to be killed, and we searched his car, and he had all these weapons in there. He said that he had trained with a guy named Omar, and Omar wasn't supposed to be killed, and he was supposed to attack the Pride Parade. And so here's the funny part about that was that Omar Mateen's name had not been released at the time of this interview. Yeah. So there was no way for him to know it. 
So they take him to the station. The FBI shows up. Then she deletes all those tweets and says, oh, I was mistaken. We found him on a on a burglary call and arrested this guy for all these weapons. Nah. Yeah. Nah. And the guy is the guy is gone now. He is completely gone. Yeah, I, m- I remember reading that. I, I someone posted that on Twitter, and I was like, I hadn't heard that before. It, it's like, man, it, insane, insane. Yeah, he, he said that they trained together I, and, and all this stuff. So I, they do it. I'm I'm certain. Yeah, they, they of course they do. Of course they do. You give somebody the the just the right little push in the right direction. You know, some some kids already unstable, man. They, they've been caught doing this, you know, because if you if if you create a problem, you manufacture and you cultivate a source to be a vector of a problem, then you can manage the fallout. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, everything that's out there is a false flag is false flag attack is all false flag. No, it's not what I'm saying. But there is an awfully strange, uh, strong correlation between an incident, uh, the problem, the cultivated reaction, right? That's kind of canned. And then, of course, the solution that is offered to the public. Seems like every single time. It's every single it's, time. And when something doesn't fit the narrative, they, they're very quick to bury it. It's kind of like creating a sickness to push a gene therapy that you call a vaccine what? that's what weird where have i heard about? this I'm, yeah, i've seen this before so <laughs> w- w- another similar one um w- we haven't seen the manifesto from louisville or nashville i guess you know why right because it probably describes this new person who came into their life that prompted them to make this attack it's kind of the same thing with that uh the the nashville bombing they don't want you to remember on christmas day that guy uh-huh. gave his house to this woman who's never heard of him. That's because he was talking to someone online who claimed to be this other woman who probably convinced him to do this attack. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely. Yep. It's, I mean, it's a thing, man. It, it It's, it is too obvious to hide at this point and all they can do is reduce people into being you know nothing oh you you no longer have a voice we'll try and squelch your voice right but then the megaphone gets too loud to ignore i mean if you look at what tucker's done oh you know they're gonna fire him right and i have absolutely zero doubt in my mind that the same apparatus that keeps chuck Schumer in power is the same apparatus that went to Lachlan Murdoch. They didn't go to Rupert Murdoch because he's already pretty much out of the game, right? They, they didn't go to him because he they knew exactly what he would say. They went to Lachlan Murdoch and said, hey, you're, you're the heir apparent here, and we're going to come after you with SEC violations galore if you don't get rid of that guy. And of course, he went right along with it. That is exactly what happened. I'm telling you, I would wager a princely sum on it. The stories can be whatever they're going to be, but I promise you that's what happened. They wanted him silenced. Well, he goes over to Twitter, and he's now six episodes in. Um, I really like the format. I think that it's, it's perfectly executed. It is, uh, you know, just, a, you know, e- each one's like 10 to 15 minutes long. So, you know, you can kind of sit in one sitting, watch it, digest it, it's expertly done. 
Um, you know, of course, Tucker's a very intelligent guy in his own right, and he's now propelled to an even bigger success. If you look at this podcast, for example, you know, they censored us. They censored this podcast. They censored me. They censored all of you out there. They they made it so on Podbean and, of course, Apple and Google and, you know, all, all the other places where this podcast is featured, uh, Spotify, so on and so forth. They made it so that you couldn't find it right after the election, right after or right before the election. Right yeah. Now, right. Couldn't find it. Completely gone. All the conservative voices were gone. Right. We were all gone. And then a few weeks later, right, they what, what was ironic about that was they were promoting people like Kara Swisher, right? Kara Swisher, who can't uh, get more than than a couple thousand podcast listeners at a time. But for whatever reason, she's a megastar who, you know, what, what I mean, what is this? Nobody is really listening to this. This is artificial. There's nobody. If, if I walked into. So, you know, anywhere, like pick up, just pick a random place. And I said, Hey, how about that Kara Swisher? Nobody would know who the fuck that is. They wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. And they wouldn't care. That, that's the thing. And I'm not saying that, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm magically some form for no. What I'm saying is, is that what happened was is it put them on display. They put Michael Moore, a guy like Michael Moore, who is famous. Okay, Michael Moore, you you go to a, a lot of corners of the United States. You could go to, you know, nowhere Nebraska and say, hey, do you know who Michael Moore is? And somebody, somebody in that town is going to say, yeah, I know who that guy is. They made documentaries or whatever. All right. You don't have to like him. You just have to know who he is. But Michael Moore literally had five followers. Five. And they're going to say that somehow this is this is the leading podcast. These are the leading podcasts. This is ridiculous. They're putting their own idiocy on display. And they realized what they did. They realized that they made a mistake. And so then they put the, the uh, mainstream normie conservative shows back. And so you saw Daily Wire come back and The Blaze come back, right? Of course, for a long time, you couldn't find this show. You couldn't find it. All of a sudden, we come back and bam, we're number one. Like, just bam, poof. Nothing changed. I didn't change. Magically reformulate, change things, pay them money. No, none of that. None of that. So what changed? They changed. They changed. They, they pulling the magic levers behind the scenes. And it's because they were trying to control the narrative and they realized they couldn't do it. Right? They realized they couldn't do it. They can't do it. And so that megaphone, right, that megaphone, as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right, they try and squelch it because they realize that when when you are pigeonholing people into this, this very, very narrow stream of thought where both sides of that argument are controlled so that they can come to the same calculated solution, more and more people are becoming aware of this and aren't tolerating it. They have no tolerance for this anymore. And so I, I think that uh, because of all that, we're entering a, a very strange predicament in the United States. Um, we're certainly entering some strange times, um, but we're entering really an unprecedented period, I think. And um, this Biden impeachment deal, you know, Mechmatic, going back to what you said, brother, in, in the very beginning, uh, <sighs> You know, about how this shouldn't have surprised anybody. 
it shouldn't surprise anybody. You know, it's not going to go anywhere and it's not going to go anywhere because Biden was the chosen heir apparent, right? He came up, he kissed the ring. He, he worked his way through the hierarchy, did the, all the things that he needed to do to stay in that DC powered elite establishment. And they installed him as a figurehead. That's that in a nutshell. It's obvious to anyone with the eyes to see it, this is exactly what occurred. So thinking that, you know, magically he's going to get removed. Oh, he's, oh, they'll remove him. Oh, they'll remove him. No, no. And you don't understand the purpose behind the FBI if you do think that. The FBI exists to protect the power elite, period, period. There's no constitution. There is no uh, Democrat or conservative, right, or, or Republican. There is no uh, Sunnis and Shiites. They're uh, gunny. It's only the haves and have-nots. It's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. Uh, Shooter, one of my favorite movies. That is that is where we are. Right. That is where we are. And so uh, don't expect much out of McCarthy on this talking about the Biden impeachment. Don't expect a whole lot to come out of this. I don't expect, you know, a little bit of political theater. You're going to see some wranglings by the Liberty Caucus, uh, Freedom Caucus, rather misspoke. You're going to you're going to see some motions about that. The voter base is obviously extremely dissatisfied, but there is a strong disconnect between the Washington establishment and its base. And, and you're only going to continue to see more of this. I think, unfortunately, until we lose 2024, which, you know, I would be very surprised if we come out of 2024 in a productive manner. Um, but but when they do what I'm fairly certain they're going to do, right? I'm not saying don't go vote. I'm not saying swallow a black pill. Right. I'm, I'm not saying throw your hands up in despair. I'm not doing that because I'm a fighter. Right. What I am telling you is, is don't be surprised when the dog bites you, because that's what it's going to do. They, that's, you know, they, they have proven their propensity to do what they are going to do. Um, Don't be shocked. Right. And then the next steps need to be taken. But you, you the first thing is you need to understand that that these structures exist in the manner in which that they have been erected for a reason. And that's to maintain the power inside the halls of power, right? There's a new power structure that is emerging and it's going to challenge the one in DC and DC doesn't really seem too interested in uh, maintaining itself, which I think is, is quite ironic. And I think that that's happening because of their own hubris. Uh, but of course that might be a, another, um, <laughs> there might be another episode for another day. Maybe we should call in, uh, Joe, as you're saying, the, the leader of the AutoZone Institute for International Relations, Mr. Patrick Fox. Uh, I'm sure he's got some some wise intellect to bestow Listen, upon. He's busy trying to figure out how to spin the uh, the 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 Ukrainian invasion into some sort or Ukrainian uh, counteroffensive into some sort of a win. You know, yeah, it's not how you counter offense. It's how you play the game. It's 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 not how you win or lose the counter offensive. That's what I'm trying to say. But it's how you it's about how much Ukrainian house music you could put on your videos of your war crimes. 
Uh, I, I know we all saw that trench video. That very first shooting was a war crime. The dude came out with his hands up. They shot him. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yep. There was only yeah. one armed man that they shot in that whole video, and it was the last guy. So Yeah, there was no, there was no PID yeah. of weapons in the first two. Yep. Well, you know, Ukraine is what it is. It, it It's a lost cause at this point. I mean, it's it's Ukraine is... They don't have the manpower, number one. All, all and, and, you know, this is what I was talking about um, uh, two weeks ago uh, on Privy Council, is their, their willing and able manpower is gone. Like, all, all of the people who were competent soldiers at some point and motivated to fight for, you know, the Ukrainian flag, the Ukrainian government, they're all gone. You know, so now you just have an army of conscripts that are that are literally being scooped up off the street. These boys aren't going to fight, man. It's, it's you're just not, you know. And if you think that um, taking them, you know, two weeks into uh, to Honesfeld and Graf and teaching them how to run a Bradley or or a Leopard tank or an Abrams is going to all of a sudden make them wizards at combined arms warfare, man, y'all. Ironically, that went just the way you and I predicted it was going to go. Didn't oh. it? <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. two videos came up. One was, and again, this goes to show you the conscript mindset. There was, it was uh, one of the, it was a, a video being passed around of, there was an assault with a couple of, um, of uh, APCs and a, and a leopard that got toasted. And one of the APCs made a run for it and got hit by a missile. And so a bunch of guys pile out of the back of it, like two guys obviously wounded, three other guys that are able-bodied, three other guys just literally ran away, left their two guys laying there on the drone footage, and then they were put out of their misery about seven seconds later by another another, uh, another missile that came in and did, finished off the APC. It was like they just left their dudes because they're conscripts. They're just like, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to die. It's like a, like a 1700s so, press gang like they used to do with the navies, right? Grab people and drunk in the bars and force them onto the ships. Uh, yeah, those those people will not fight. Just like man. no, well, man, you know, like I've seen, I've seen guys in in the army, you know, a a, a all volunteer professional military force that were like, fuck that, I ain't no, you know. I've seen it, man. Like, so all of a sudden you're just going to snatch dudes up that did not have any interest in fighting to begin with and say, Hey, you know, like you're going to fight for the motherland, dude. Nah, man. It, and, and like at this point in Ukraine for the average Ukrainian citizen, everyone in Ukraine now, like every person in Ukraine at this point, based on the, the losses, if they're to be believed, and I do believe that the, the loss of life has been horrendous there, they all know somebody that died. Yep. Like, they all know somebody that died. Everybody. Everybody there knows, like, you know how, like, like you know, in, in the uh, two decades of the GWAT, America couldn't say that. You know, um, your average American couldn't say, like, oh, I know somebody that died in Iraq. Like, I mean, maybe, but we didn't really lose that many people. 
It, you, know, you see, you, that's the I mean, awakening you know, we're going to have when we get into a fight with China or Russia. Yeah. Is losing, back, we'll be back to Iwo Jima levels, right? We're going to lose 6,000 yeah. dudes in one yeah. day. And we're going to be like, wait, what? And that's, that's the Chinese, that, that's their whole calculus is that, you know, that's why they've invested so much in anti-ship missiles is that they're able to do damage to a carrier group that's approaching the South China Sea. America has not experienced that loss of life since Vietnam and not in one battle or two battles. Like, like we lost a lot of dudes in Vietnam and, and some of the battles were absolutely horrendous. But to your point, like a D-Day or an Iwo Jima or Guadalcanal, like, Korea. yeah, Korea. Korea, you're right. They, they have not seen that. Yeah. You, you, you're talking about losing the whole company's worth of guys in a day. Yep. Like that's, I'm telling you, like Korea, Korea is America's forgotten, mm -hmm. but you know, and, and that's very unfortunate because when you look at the, the loss of life from Korea in a three year time span, like, man, dude, wow. That that's, that's, I mean, with it, you know, the G watt and you know, I, I had a front row seat to all that and you know, I, I lost friends and, you know, that that is what it is. I, I don't need to talk about that, right? But what I'm saying is this, is that the average American citizen is is disconnected from all that. Like, they're, they're removed from, from that carnage, man. Much of the Army, and, and it kind of pains me to say this, but much of the Army was removed from a lot of that carnage, too. You know, it was just like, all right, you didn't, like, like you weren't necessarily there. Um, you didn't, you didn't necessarily like know the, the people involved that, you know, like for example, um, you lose people in, in like a line infantry unit, for example, you know, and unless they were in your company, you didn't really, it was just like, oh, you know, we lost some dudes from Charlie company or whatever. You know, it's like, well, I didn't know them. Like I, I knew of them. I didn't know them. You know, it's like, I mean, that, that sucks. And they, it, you know, I wish that hadn't happened, but I, I didn't know those guys. Like I didn't break bread with them. I didn't, you know, I didn't hang out with them. I didn't, you know, hear all their stories they tell or like drink beer with them or whatever. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything about them. So, you know, like, or, or guys that were like in another battalion, you, okay. Um, we, we were, you know, it, it, it's a whole different thing. But when you're talking about, man, like you lose an entire company at once, like, oh, shit. Well, this is, like, why, this is why all of the liberals are so pro-war right now, right? They think it's going to be like Afghanistan and Iraq. Ah, oh, we'll lose five or six dudes. Listen, Nasiriya was no joke. We yeah. lost a lot of Marines well, in Nasiriya. Yeah. So, right. Uh, well, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, the, like the 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 beginning of the GWAT, like, you know, we, it, it was a different animal then too. Like it was a very different animal because, you know, you're talking about Najaf, Nasiriya, um, you know, uh, um, Fallujah, obviously Samara, you know, you're, you're talking about some of the big battles. I mean, Mosul, Mosul is still a hellhole, even into, uh, 2008, 2009, it was still rough up there. For the, for the um, record, we had to you know, fight in Nasiriya because we're too woke. We let women drive those trucks and they got captured. We had to stop everything to save two women. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but that's the truth, right? They didn't belong there. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, I mean, it, but 
when you think about it, though, you, you kind of put things in perspective. We're we're gonna start losing people in a huge number. Like, you know, World War II is in the American psyche, even though we are uh, four generations now removed from it. But <clears throat> it's it's in the American psyche because of the lives that were lost, not because of our victories. Right, not because of our victories. It's because of of the sacrifice that was made for what we we earned as a people, right? Overcoming other other empires, which was what happened. Well, you know, when when you start you start put that in perspective, you know, the Russians, on the other hand, they for whatever whatever numbers we lost, they lost many more times that. And it changed them as as a culture. I mean, the 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 uh, Russian Revolution and, and Bolshevism already devastated them as a people, but World War Two that really wrecked them. That, that as as a society that wrecked them, and that rest wrecked Eastern Europe as well. I mean, it wrecked Germany also. But you know, with with the Russian experience, it is very different, and they they emerged from that with a very bleak outlook on things, very cold outlook, you know, on, on really geopolitics in general. And so that's why they're afraid of being surrounded and pushed out. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, cause it's happened to them. I mean, they lost right. 600,000 men in Berlin alone. In like, yeah. a, what was that? Like 45 days. So, yeah. Wow. You know, I mean, you, it's you think about that. That's a staggering number of people, man. You know, and if if traditionally you've got big families, you know, and you got eight boys going off to war, you know, statistically one of them might come home. You know, who who's going to carry on their family legacy? You know, who who is going to how how are you going to rebuild that? You know, how do you how do you rebuild a society? I mean, Britain was was a lot like that too. Completely wrecked, yeah. man completely wrecked them, wrecked their society, wrecked their economy. They never recovered. Like Britain never recovered after World War II. That's something that people don't, don't really realize is that the British Empire was bankrupt. They never recovered. You know, they're, they're still there now. That I mean, France never recovered. N none of those, none of those countries, they were permanently altered and their societies never really, never really got back on track, man. So it, it's, um, we're in for some rough times, but, but I want to shift gears a little bit because I think that this next conversation is going to take up probably the rest of the show. We got 40 minutes left here, uh, 39 minutes left on the clock. And it's just talking about this incident in, uh, Great Falls, Montana. We've got the gun shop up there. Of course, this is a story that I'm sure a lot of people are following. I've had a bunch of emails, people asking me to comment on it, what my thoughts are on it. Um, and I'm going to say I probably have some controversial thoughts. Uh, I was not on the Privy Council last night. Uh, that was I had to, to uh, not be on at the last minute because I was suffering from a pretty nasty migraine. Um, did everything I could to, to be on there, but it just, you know, right as nine was rolling around, um, 
just wasn't wasn't working out so i had to take some of my migraine medicine that i have and kind of you know even me out and that was it and i told uh stan and, and everybody over there that i wasn't going to be myself if i had made it on the show i wasn't going to be myself so you know because when uh some of y'all don't know this but uh for those of you that do you know i i had a pretty serious traumatic brain injury at one point um from an ied blast and every once in a while i'll get hit with with a pretty mean migraine uh, where i kind of i have to go into a sensory deprivation mode where you know it's it's so anyway um that hit me last night i really wanted i was really excited to talk about this topic last night and then didn't get to do it um so we're, we're going to talk about it tonight but this this incident in great falls montana um I think that we're going to be hearing a whole lot about this one. Um, there's some interesting points about this case that don't really make a lot of sense to me. And in case you're not tracking it, there's a lot of people who are out there in case you're not tracking it. Um, gun store in Great Falls, Montana, which is pretty outspoken about obviously Second Amendment views and, you know, anti-Biden, um, you know, stance and everything. That's not really unusual for, for a gun shop. Um, this guy has been targeted for a, a number of other investigations. And, and I'm not here to say whether they're legit or not, um, you know, because I don't know never met this guy don't know him from adam don't know anything about his gun shop i've never even stepped foot in great falls montana so you know there it is however i do think that it's interesting that if it's a criminal investigation why the irs has been granted uh original jurisdiction over it and original jurisdiction in case you don't know is the the uh area of the law that a specific agency is assigned with investigating right so it's it's kind of like um how uh the game wardens have original jurisdiction over game animals fish and wildlife so on and so forth and then local law enforcement supplements that investigation as needed but they have original jurisdiction so if if the irs is is the ones that are primarily conducting this investigation right by the owner's admission and by the agency's uh, statement as well the atf did not do this right the atf was not the ones that that showed up uh armed and kitted out now there was a lot of um i'll i'll be nice and say alliteration in the news stories depending on uh which end of things you know you want to believe uh oan kind of had their version of events and then you know some of the liberal outlets had their version of events both of which were a little shaky uh in in my opinion and um you know now you have gunners of america which is a very good organization that has made some statements as well but they, there were some conflicting things that i i found with the statements um <clears throat> the owner of this gun shop was contacted in in the early hours uh of the morning uh, by his own admission he was he was headed into work so he was going to his gun shop and you've got these armed irs agents there with a warrant seeking 4473s so you know we know 4473 is the form that you fill out for um a firearms transaction that you are purchasing right there is no um 
there, there literally is no uh, financial data that is included on that. So I think that it's very strange they would be requesting this and nothing else to my knowledge. Um, so that's odd. The ATF, of course, you know, all gun shops work with the ATF. They have a, a point of contact. This gun owner called uh, his local guy that is his point of contact, the ATF field office. And that ATF tr- uh, agent was trying to figure out what was going on and was, you know, came to his defense, said, no, nah, no, nah, you know, don't don't hand them 4473s. They have no need for that. They That's outside of their their uh, investigative capacity. There's, there's no financial inv- uh, information that's included on there. And then apparently and this is according to OAN, apparently he was um, ordered from hire to allow that to go forward. And so they obtained these 4473s, uh, several thousand of them, uh, because gun shops keep them on record. Uh, and they, they will maintain them for a specific amount of time. And uh, so th- there were records of who all bought firearms in the Great Falls, Montana area. <clears throat> um, so the, the only thing, and knowing what I know uh, from criminal investigations, the the only thing that I can say that that would be uh, occurring here is if there was some sort of money laundering that was occurring with the purchase of firearms. Um, maybe if taxes weren't filled out, and but even still, that begins to get real shaky because in order for that to have happened, um, there's just easier ways to do it. If you're already creating uh, a crime, the actus reus, so to speak, and you're already engaged in criminal behavior, that's a lot of hoops to jump through to make it look legitimate. This it is really, not, gun stores would not be the way to mon- launder money. That is the worst no. possible way. Yeah, this this is just not this not nothing about this story makes sense. Um, so. I'm very interested to see what comes out of this. I'm very interested to see how this ends up boiling down, but I'm most interested to hear you guys' thoughts on it. Anybody? I think you're cutting out. Am I there now? (laughs) Yeah, you're here. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Hear you guys' thoughts? Well, I don't know enough about any of these subjects to be able to really say with any certainty what's going on. You know, it's weird to your point that the IRS is asking for the 4473, which all of us have filled out numerous amounts of time, and it has absolutely nothing to do with anything the IRS would be interested in. And it's also interesting, I had read that also about being ordered from above to let it happen. So the thing is, I don't know anything about this guy, whether there are legitimate concerns about what he's doing or whatnot. I mean, obviously I tend to side with the FFL and say, I don't know what he did to piss these guys off. Did he bang an IRS agent's wife? I don't really know, but something, 
something has gotten them pissed off enough that they're doing this. And I've never heard before, and I haven't done a Google search, so maybe they're out there. I haven't heard of the IRS being the originating agency for an investigation into an FFL unless they think somehow it's like a money laundering thing, which again, I don't know even how you money launder through an FFL because there's way easier ways of doing it. Open a laundromat or a mattress shop. So I really don't know. It, 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 it must be something, and it, 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 my guess is, is that it's something with an individual or a set of individuals that frequent that shop and less about the FFL. And this was just a cover of, let's get all the 4473s because we want information on people who use that shop. Except they followed him in, right? They followed, they put, they, they, they tracked him from his house to there. That's something that bothers me. Here's another thing, though, is that in our justice system, the judges have gotten away from their job. Normally, when you do a search warrant, um, the next day you have to submit a return to the court, and the court is supposed to review it uh, and see what you seize to see if it matches the warrant. What we've done, though, for the last 20 years or so is allowed the prosecutor to self-certify that everything was legit, everything was fine. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, there's no way that search warrant included 4473s. Yeah, I agree. Magnetic thoughts. Anything? Sorry about that. My my kid tried to uh, come in and interrupt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she was giving her thoughts as well. She she was. Daddy, who are you talking to? Daddy, who are you talking to? Daddy, who are you talking to? The weird uh, people from um, the internet. Yes. <laughs> um, I it it's really interesting seeing seeing stuff like this. Um, I'm not surprised by it. Um, I do think it's interesting that they 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 kind of like watched him leave his house um, and made sure he was at the shop to be there. Um, I think it's really weird that we're seeing this this kind of crackdown at the same time that that we see Hunter pleading out a uh, charges related to firearms as well. Um, it's just like I was saying earlier. It's just more evidence of that that dual justice. Um, system that we have going on right now um yeah I, I legal endeavors are not exactly my uh my strong suit so i tend to keep these to the uh the experts but um my uneducated opinion i think it's definitely politically motivated um this guy being outspoken about shit it's it's politically motivated somebody somebody higher up is is angry at what this guy has said and they've they've taken their personal feelings and, and used it to manipulate an investigation. So somebody just asked a question in there about couldn't the forty four seventy three be used to back up sales? Um, that no, because uh, FFLs do do transfers for sales that aren't theirs. So if I buy a gun down in Florida, they're going to ship it up here to Michigan, and that FFL is going to just fill out the paperwork with me. He's not going to have a corresponding sale. For that 4473 because he didn't sell me the gun he just did the paperwork so yeah the 4473 is not gonna not gonna do what you're what, what you think right yeah it, it's it's wherever the point of the transfer occurred it, it doesn't matter if you you know you give the firearm away or 
you know, you, you sell it for $100,000. It doesn't matter, right? It, it, it is the transfer of ownership of whatever constitutes that firearm from one hand to another, and you want to have a record of it, right? And, and you know, in some states that, that all of that is, is required. Um, but Great Falls, Montana, man, I, I, I don't... So, for example, you know, we know that that as kind of a scare tactic, scare people into line. Um, every so often, you know, the the low hanging fruit will will get picked up, and and I'm not saying that it's not legitimate from from time to time, uh, because there are shady businessmen in every industry. The gun industry is no different. Um, I know one here in North Carolina that is about as shady as it gets, and I steer very very clear of him um because he he is just a a the guy is just a walking disaster um he kind of uh those of you that grew up in the uh late gen x early millennial generation will remember uh grand theft auto vice city uh video games you'll get the reference uh if you don't get the reference then you just ain't gonna get it but if you do get it you know and this dude is literally um the guy living in Miami that was like the redneck guy and he was just absolutely insane. That's this dude. And for whatever reason, to somehow or another, this guy's got an FFL and I'm like, uh, you know, obviously I am, I am a huge second amendment guy, but that's the one dude that I'm like, uh, you know, and I don't do business with him. Uh, cause he, he's weird. Uh, he also still wears a COVID mask, by the way. So that should tell you a little bit about this guy. But the thing is, is that uh, as was being pointed out in the comments, is that these these things don't just happen, right? They don't just materialize out of thin air. And if you know, if maybe this is a shot across the bow, if this is what we would call a show of force, um, you know, the the IRS has its new uh, agents that are armed. And, and they're looking to do something, you know, and, and maybe this is this is one of those little ripples in the pond that's that's kind of, the, the, you know, hey, we're going to show all of you out there what we're able uh, to do. But even still, this just doesn't it seems like to me there'd be a real uh, a much better way to go about doing it, a much more efficient way of going about doing it. But then again, of course, we are also talking about the federal government. So. There is that. There is certainly that as well. Um, any other thoughts about this, guys? Well, I think it's just one more thing. They're attempting to provoke people, right? Like, hey, look, we're going to come and we're going to mess with your gun dealers. We're going to gun. We're going to mess with your chosen politicians. We're going to mess with every little aspect of your life. Uh, you see them trying these eminent domain things over in South Dakota. Uh, some of these other weird things going on. They're just trying, as we pointed out earlier, to get someone to jump. Uh, and, and I just want to urge everyone to not be that guy. So. And that's kind of the conclusion I was getting towards. I think that's a that's an excellent way of putting that. Because what I said uh, just, just a little bit ago is my overall take on it might be a little controversial. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, activity right now that that's going on in, in certain corners. Um, you know, we know the, the whole case against the Oath Keepers, um, 
you know, with Stuart Rhodes, Stuart Rhodes being sentenced to prison. And the guy's got a lot of reach in Montana. And I think that 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 may be what is also playing a big part in all of this. They're they're trying to stir up a hornet's nest as a result out of that. And I'm just going to tell people, I mean, it's 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 like a lot of other things. If you know this, what I said about Richmond, you know, hey, don't go to don't go to that Richmond protest. Right. All the way back to, to lobby day. Right. Don't go there. This is a real bad idea. Oh, I was right. Right. January 6th. Don't go there. You know what the security apparatus is in D.C.? Oh, you don't? Well, I do. And I'm telling you, don't go there. There's nothing to be gained. There's absolutely nothing to be gained. This is another one of those jousting at windmills. Okay, so I know a lot of people say, well, well, I mean, what what are we going to do? Well, is there ever going to be any pushback? Yeah, there is. There is. You have to understand how to do it right. You don't go out and joust at windmills. Okay, that's plain and simple. You don't go out and do stupid things. You go out and you organize and you network with people, right? You get out and you train. This guy, you don't know what the backstory is behind this. And I'm sorry, the OAN as a news organization, you know, I like them. Sure, I like their ideology. Yes. But the news story that I saw on this was really not something I would uh, I would hang my hat on. It was what what I saw was nothing more than right wing MSNBC, right? That that was literally what they were doing. That's not going to sit well with a lot of people, and I get that. Okay, that, that's and and that's fine. That that's your opinion to have. The point is, is that. They're, they're trying to get you, just Joe, just as you pointed out, they're trying to get people to jump off a cliff. Right? You're getting herded in a direction to jump off a cliff. Don't fall for it. All right? Don't get rolled up into something stupid because we already know that, that they, they've got traps galore set up. Ask all the people that are still being held for January 6th. It's all there. It's all there, and they need another crisis. This government right now, they are so out of hand, they need another crisis to be able to point to. Unfortunately, I think that they're going to get one, whether they manufacture it or not. But don't fall for it. All right. Be smart. Be smart about this. What say y'all? It's it's the Buffalo jump that we talked about before Richmond. It's they're they're leading and i put in the comments you know the joke that 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 was going around when they had the videos come out from richmond oh you know they put up cell towers for us no those are stingrays and now they have everyone on your phone they're 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 obviously trying to force the right's hand and make someone who has been so wound up by this whether by their own accord or by someone in the fbi because you point out earlier there are people on our side not everything's a, a you know a psyop there are some people who just break they're, they're trying to manufacture this and so the combination of a two-tier justice system where oh they're arresting this ffl guy out in montana but biden gets to walk biden's son gets to walk free even though he had a firearm violation they're they're, they're gonna i think keep doing this until someone snaps and then to your point they need that crisis they need those talking points going into 2024 because they know that once they go up to, in a debate Biden, unless they pump him with that many more meds, is not going to be able to, to deal with it. They need to manufacture something. And my guess is 
if I ha- if I was a guessing man, I would say they're going to keep building it up all year, and sometime early on in the primaries, it's going to happen because that'll stay salient throughout the entire primary. If they pop their load now a little bit, it's like, okay, yeah, it's bad. And they'll reference it again, but I feel like they're going to keep building this up slowly, just like crabs or frogs in a pot, keep turning the heat up, and then eventually they're going to try to get that thing that makes someone pop, and that's a storyline. That's what everyone's talking about now in 2024, not Biden not knowing his own name or the terrible job the administration's done. It's, oh, my God, this right-wing terrorist. Yeah, I'll I'll remind everyone that they're banging that right-wing terrorist drum pretty hard, and the right-wing is going to attack the electrical grid. The right-wing is going to attack the electrical grid. Uh, I'm telling you, just like uh, just like Scout said, they're going to get an incident even if they have to fabricate it themselves. So the best thing we can do is not be the guy who initiates it uh, and be ready uh, to protect our families and, and do what needs to be done uh, when the time comes. I think y'all are, should be very impressed with the way that I I dialed back what I was going to say. <laughs> um, I am impressed always. I think they. Um, I agree with with it being a potential of them trying to start a, a false flag thing. Um, you know the the Bundy Ranch wasn't wasn't that long ago. Um, people people remember that and the response that was had. Um, imagine how something like that would go down now with how they handled January 6th. And those guys were unarmed. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really nervous. Anytime I see anything about organizing in, in public spaces like that in, in large, large numbers for protests or whatever the hell you want to call it, it just, it, 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 it makes me feel weird. You know, he, he sets off that, that spidey sense. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you feel like bubbles. Something's fucky. Um, and so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. We, with, with, with thinking and looking at, at this specific incident in, in that light, with it being in Montana, they're probably trying to, to see what they can get away with or what they can what they can do to start shit. They're getting desperate. They were really expecting something because they were pounding that drum hard when they were getting ready to arrest Trump. I mean, they, all the security measures they put in place for his, his arrest, all, all of that. They, I mean, they were expecting, they wanted something to happen. Um, And you know, the, uh, yeah, the FBI guys that stir up shit were working overtime and in discord and other online chat rooms, trying to get somebody to do something. Well, it's funny. I think the, the way they went at J6 so hard has made even the, the and I don't mean this because they support Trump, but the dumbest Trump supporters be like, hey, wait a second. I don't want to end up with the J6 people. I think if they were more mild in the treatment of the J6 people where it wasn't as bad, but something would happen, people would be like, nah, that's not that bad. I'd still go out and, you know, organize in these groups. But I think when now they're hearing people being like, this is going to be another J6, they're like, well, we didn't think J6 was that bad, and look what happened, so we don't know what's going to happen with this. I think that's why a lot of people stayed home. I mean, it was very underwhelming. There were more counter-protesters, I think, than there were protesters at Trump Tower in New York. And I think part of it was the, 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 the overreaction by the government to J6. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that um, wholeheartedly. And uh, one thing to take into account here is the, the social bonds theory. Uh, so for everybody who doesn't speak criminology and, and or sociology out there, social bonds theory comes from uh, Dr. Travis Hershey, who is uh, one of uh, America's uh, best criminologists. And uh, he's still alive. Man, man's an absolute genius, or at least he was still alive a couple years ago. Uh, but he, he's very old. Anyway, social bonds theory is pretty simple. Um, basically, it disincentivizes crime. The, the more cohesion you have to the, the social organism, the uh, really the less likely you are to commit crime. It disincentivizes crime and criminality and social deviance as well. And uh, Travis Hershey's framework on that was coming from uh, his study of, of juvenile delinquency, like why it happens in some crowds, it doesn't happen in others. Um, but we can really apply that to any kind of criminality or deviance from the macro level, because when we're talking about uh, January 6th, for example, and, and, you know, let's just look at it objectively. So you've got a group of people who are uh, disenfranchised. They uh, no longer feel cohesion to the, the larger social entity because their voices aren't heard. Right. So, it, and, and I think that's a big problem on the left and in the power structures. They're not looking at this objectively because they don't care. Uh, and it's a very dangerous state of affairs that we're in. Well, when you think about it that way and you conceptualize it that way, when, according to, to Hershey, the when, when this occurs, the best way to bring those people in to prevent greater problems down the road is to somehow create that cohesion where you otherwise maybe wouldn't have it. Um, and, and this is where uh, a lot of the thinking of like big brother programs and, you know, all, all this stuff uh, came out that was really a child of the 1970s, 1980s, because they had a big problem with juvenile delinquency at that point. Right. And there was a lot of uh, attention that was being paid to those programs. Well, apply that today's to today's society. It's, it's the same idea. Right. Except that the problem is, is that the left is doing absolutely nothing. The power structure in D.C. is doing absolutely nothing to accommodate any point of view other than their own. They're not interested in it and they're throwing it in your face. And so the things that could be done to get the train back on the tracks and prevent this from occurring, they're not doing and they're not going to do it. Right. They, they have absolutely zero interest in doing that. They have zero interest in bringing people in and re-enfranchising our end of conservatism. But saying, hey, you're not standing for America. You're not standing up for us. And you, you, you have no interest in getting to the bottom of transparency in an election. Right. Which is a big point of contention with a lot of people. Liberals should be outraged about this. And they're not. They're not. You won't hear that, right? You won't hear that from their crowd. So th that's that's where we're going. And so the other model, the more destructive model, according to Hershey, is when you try to rule through brute force, when you try to create cohesion through brute force, all you're going to end up doing is creating more problems down the road. 
And that's where we are. That's, that is the reality of where we are. In case anybody was wondering, that's where we are, where now people are disincentivized from doing the right thing. You know, and this is what I was talking about in, in the beginning of the episode with, you know, the, the street takeovers and how it's, it's coming full circle to the, you know, the footprint of the ivory tower, literally. Uh, some of y'all might have got my, my pun there with the uh, Chapel Hill Tar Heels and the footprints of the ivory tower. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, but anyway, bad pun. I know. Uh, a, pun, a bad pun because you had to think too hard about it. Right. But the point is, though, the point behind that is, is that when there is no incentive for social cohesion and all there is is a model of repression, that's exactly what you're going to end up with. And it's going to break at some point. Right. Because I can tell you there's a whole lot of people out there that are looking at all this like, you know, it's not worth me. I'm not going to win. Okay, I'm not going to win by playing by your rules. And so now I'm going to find alternative methods to get ahead. That's exactly what's happening. We're starting to see it for what it is. The Kabuki theater is is completely gone at this point. It's dangerous state of affairs that we're getting in. Right. And the problem with all this is the the real problem with this is that nobody knows how any of this is is really going to turn out. Because I, I genuinely don't think that we have tread these waters before in the manner in which we are, we are approaching them in American history. Uh, the, you know, the 1850s might be a close example in, in uh, some ways, you know, bleeding Kansas, maybe. Um, but never, never quite like all the factors that, that we're seeing now. And uh, it's a dangerous state of affairs that we're finding ourselves in. So, uh, guys, any any thoughts with uh, eight minutes left on the clock? I think that we need to start treating the street takeovers for what they are. Uh, they created this cute little term to make it sound like a juvenile prank. They are riots. They are insurrections. They are attempts to in- exert their will over everyone else, um, no matter whom it is. Uh, it could be either side doing it. Um you need to understand that risk and just keep yourself as far from them as you can. But I, I would prefer that our government actually deal with them rather than just letting them happen because all it's doing is breeding more and more of them. Well, those are the useful idiots that the government's going to be able to direct using whatever yeah. shit they stir up. So they have, they have no interest in controlling them right now. Only when to scouts point, they threaten that, that ivory tower. When they start threatening them, whoa, whoa, hold up, dial it back. Or when it goes against their interests and starts to be counterproductive to what they're doing, that's why all those riots started to get died, uh, uh, you know, quieted down after a while because it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa all right, y'all chill, chill out. You're not going to get, you know, pallets of bricks on, on street corners right now. Everyone just go back to smoking your weed and I don't know, having orgies and whatever you guys were doing beforehand. So I think that yeah, they're 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 going to ride them to a point, and they have no interest in controlling them right now because it's creating a culture of fear, and when you have that culture of fear. And then all of a sudden the government steps in and says, I can solve the problem. You know, it's not going to get the right wing people, but it could get those pe- the middle of the road people who have, you know, maybe they lean conservative and, and, but they're like 60, 40 conservative, but all of a sudden they're starting to get worried about what's seen on the news and the government comes in and says, Hey, we're going to fix this. And it goes away because they pay the people to go away. 
again, that's a cynical cynical take by me, but that that's exactly how I see that going. They're they're going to ride these guys as long as they can, and and they're going to do it in the area with the most population. So that any normies that are, are still in those population centers where the bulk of the vote comes from may switch to the side that suddenly comes in and say. As, as far as the, uh, the useless idiots, um, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, Rob's Pierre was pretty sure he could control them too. Um, and, and look how well that that turned out for him in the end. Thank God that that's just how it turned out for him. Cause, uh, for real fuck Rob's Pierre. Um, but the yeah, I it, yeah, I think that's a, that's something to look at as a, like he, he thought he had pretty good control over everything until eventually things weren't radical enough. For sure. For sure. For sure. I mean, all, all I see is 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 just dysfunction continuing to reign. Um, it's going to be the chaos on the streets. It's going to be the inability of the government to agree on anything, and it's mostly because Republicans are pussies, and why the left just executes their plan with no remorse whatsoever. Doesn't matter if it's illegal, doesn't matter whatever, they get it done. Republicans are worried about my morals and how it's gonna look. And so, you know, they basically, in my opinion, they've already surrendered. So now to me it's local, 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 and look to local, you know, we're talking about organizing, not going to these street protests, these national protests. That's fine. All right, instead of spending the time and energy doing that, get involved locally and start making those connections. So that when the push comes to shove and those hordes do come, when they get released from their masters out of the cities into the suburbs, you have that local network, that local cohesion to be able to operate. Yeah. Something I want to throw out there <clears throat> um, now that I've kind of uh, let it stew for a minute, you know, I bring this up all the time, but the battle of Algiers, if you have not seen that, you need it's to a watch great it. movie. Yeah, I watched it the last time you said it, and it's fantastic. Free on YouTube. In fact, fuck it, I'm going to post it tomorrow. Subtitles. Guess what? There's a whole hell of a lot of knowledge in that that film that you need to watch. All right, they learned that that very quickly. The street protests weren't getting anywhere. Right, Ali Laplan. is an important point to make here they won um <clears throat> they learned very quickly that street protests were going nowhere and in fact in in uh, early in the film in one of their communiques uh where the the leader of the eln is uh, or fln based activities, particularly in Algiers and in and around the Caspa, right? So 
it's a model of insurgency. There's a reason that this film endures. There's a reason that this this film is taught where it is taught and to the degree that it is and it has the reverence that it has because this is a model of how a culture fights another one. This is how it works. And it's not something that happens overnight. And I'm sorry to, to bust anybody's bubble here, you know, but you can throw on all the cool guy gear you want. It's, it's We'll see how that works out, right? There's There's a way that you fight and there's a way that you don't. The street protests and, you know, doing all that stuff, hey, that era is over, okay? It, it, and that never really works for the right anyway because you're, you're talking about facing down a captured institution. The left controls all that. Really, the right didn't control it in the 1960s for, where you know, the, the pushback that you get from a lot of people that say, oh, yeah, but in the 1960s, you had all the, the protests and stuff like that. Yeah, it really didn't work for them either. It was allowed to work. It was allowed to work because there was already a leftist establishment that had found its roots, right? This happened prior to World War II. This happened right around, it was it was just after World War One. Right where it really began, that's where all this stuff really got started. Of course, we could we could turn the clock back to uh, the 1850s and say that it you know there there was certainly uh, the proto uh, foundation of it being laid then, and that would be a very strong case as well. Right. So how do you how do you fix all that? How do we how how do we uh, push forward through that? If you will watch that film. All right, watch that film. Last, get out and train. Get out, do something productive. Don't just complain about a problem. Be part of the solution, right? Get out there, get to know your neighbors, get to training, work with folks. Quit calling water wet. We all know, right? That's a good way to alienate people. But anyway... With that said, folks, a lot of awesome content going to be coming up this week on Radio Contra. Of course, I am back here, back on the East Coast, back in the gorilla camp. Got a lot of things, got a lot of interviews that are going to be coming up as well. And um, we're going to have a heck of a good time. Anyway, with that said, it is a last call for alcohol here in the virtual Green Dragon Tavern. It has been one hell of an evening with all of you out there. The Gorilla's Guide to the Balfang Radio can be found on Amazon.com, where it is a number one bestseller, as well as Brushbeater.store. All of your communications needs and more over there. And I've got a lot of new products that are going to be unveiled throughout the remainder of the summer. With that said, folks, God bless, and I'll talk to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout.